0: CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast. With your host, Jeff Stark. And
1: as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks.
0: And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast.
1: It is time once again for the Coin World Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jeff Stark.
0: And I'm Larry Jewett, and I think I'm going through what a lot of you've been going through here, because it's that time of year where perhaps your health gets in the way of some of the things you want to get done. I've been a little under the weather here, not making excuses, but this time of year with snow and everything, wait a minute, there's no snow in Florida. But, you know, just the idea that I've got one of these colds here, so if you don't hear much out of me, consider that a blessing. We've got a great show in store for you right here today, but uh, I can only talk about 45 seconds, and then I have to let Jeff talk. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Well, snow is a four-letter word if I ever heard one. Uh, I think I may have to join you down in Florida because I am already over winter, and it hasn't even officially started. But, you know, what's about to start is we had an interview with a uh, young dealer, Alexandra Zeman, down down there in Florida also, and um, got to hear about her journey And what it's like to open a coin store, certainly uh, during a pandemic to boot. Um, It was it was a fun talk, so that's in a little bit. But before we get to that, uh, we want to do our usual foray into the uh, the byways and highways of numismatic history and all that. uh, Thanks to our friends at Coin World Plus. Now, um, you know, in Alex's story. We find out that 2004 was um, a very important year. That's when she and her dad went to their first show. So we'll talk about that in just a bit. Before I get to that, I want to talk about the um, this week in numismatic history. There's always something to look back at and, and celebrate and learn from. And I found something. I, I was curious to see this. Um, because it's sort of, it's recent history, and it's something I kind of vaguely remember or knew about. That is uh, in December 14th, 2001. 2001, okay, that was 21 years ago. Uh, Doesn't feel like it in many respects. But on December 14th, 2001, that's when Euro kits with new coins were distributed in advance of the January 1st, e-day introduction uh what is the e-day introduction well in on january 1st 2002 that's when 12 countries adopted the euro and these starter kits i believe um you know one one example of each coin of the euro denomination is three euros 88 cents some of the starter kits had Differing amounts in each one, I believe, uh, based on the fixed exchange rate at the time. So, you know, one German mark is worth so many euros, that kind of thing. Uh, How many Austrian shillings are are worth um, one euro. So um, anyway, these kits were distributed so people could become familiar with the euro coins. It was... The, I think, you know, the largest coin swap in uh, in history, period, as something like 300 million folks overnight literally went from using one of 12 different currencies the, you know, the German mark, Austrian shilling, French franc, you know, Greek drachma, all, all that, the litany you can, you know, explore, uh, to using a unified currency, the euro. And, um, you know, so these kits were important to help people familiarize themselves. And the production of the coins actually had begun in 1999. In many respects, it took a couple of years for them to prepare world mints to, um, make all the coins they needed as, um, you know, as a new currency was being introduced. It was a big deal. I'm pretty sure it was front page of, of coin world at the time. So, uh, to me, that's that's kind of fun. You know, usually we explore stuff in the 80s or the 60s or whatever. Well, this is something that's a little more recent. And um, so in addition to that, though, we we always like to take a look at this week in CoinWorld history. So I mentioned 2004 earlier because that year was important. I uh, went to the December 13th, 2004 issue of CoinWorld. Now this was early on in my, uh, this was my first year at CoinWorld when I, as a staff writer, not not as an intern. And I don't even remember this story. So it was fun for me. It's not on the front page, but it's fun for me to look at this story. Uh, the headline is Ohio man cashes in 1.4 million Lincolns. A, um, a man by the name of Gene Suki of suburban Akron, Ohio, cashed in a 34-year collection of more than 1.4 million Lincoln cents. Uh, he is quoted in the story as saying, I told my wife way back around 1970, I'm going to get a million of something just so I could say I got a million of something. It wasn't hard. People brought them to me. Suki of Barberton, Ohio, topped that mark by gathering million and change uh, quote unquote pennies. That was worth $14,075 roughly. Uh, And this, this story was reported nationwide uh, by Coinstar, which, uh, you know, they, they used the, um, this event to promote themselves because they processed more than a million of the coins um, for Suki um, and he had turned in, you know, something like $3,000 worth of the coins in the previous two months. So, anyway, you know, I, I just find that fun and funny. How, how many stories like that are out there waiting to be written, uh, you know, next week, next year, next decade? Somebody who's sitting on a pile of coins. And, you know, there's people that hoard copper, there's people, uh, you know, the copper sense. Uh, There's people that hoard nickels because of, you know, the the metallic value in these. So I I think it's fun to hear those kind of stories. Having moved in the last two years, it was almost two years ago now, uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to move that many coins. Uh, It felt like I had that many to move. I'm sure I didn't. But, um, you know, Mr. Suki here said that the coins filled up Five hundred and seventy-five cigar boxes. Um, that's a lot of cigars. That's a lot of coins. <laughs> so, um, if 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 anyone out there has a, I won't say collection, a, accumulation, such as this, let us know because I kind of wonder a why and b how are you how are you storing this? What are you doing with this? So that's what jumped out at
0: me. Well, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, it's a unique story to tell right there, but also it reminds me of what happened to me on Friday nights. I'm going to digress a little bit, then we'll get back to 2004, is that I went to a local establishment, had dinner, paid in cash, got change back, didn't check my change till I got home, noticed that one of the scents, the only scent as a matter of fact, had a wheat ears background on it. And I went, oh, good. You know, that's something right there. That's something unusual. Last time I got one of those, somebody told me it was a Canadian scent. At least this guy didn't try to sell me as that. But I turned it over and I saw 1955 and I went, oh boy. But it had a D underneath of it. So, you know, I was just kind of hoping, but it just didn't happen that way. But still, it adds to my collection there. But that was kind of neat. And, you know, scents, you know, they're always
1: Cool but, but yep. before you go into the letters i have to say i you know for the listeners who don't know and how would you know uh, i was in the home office in sydney much of the, uh, this week earlier in the week and a few days the, the week before and i went to a coin star at the local grocery store and lo and behold i found a 1954 roosevelt dime oh. a 2 cent euro coin and a Canadian dime. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I got $2 worth of stuff for free just by checking out the um, the little reject slot. I know people make a, a habit of that, and, you know, sometimes there's some really cool stuff there. Uh, that You know, it's amazing how a little thing like this can be like, oh, cool, you know, you get excited, and, and it makes your day.
0: Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you've got a story coming up. I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag a little bit. you got a story coming up in our January issue that got me excited. And that was the idea that there's going to be a special circulating commemorative $2 coin in Canada. And uh, that's that's going to be one that I want to get my hands on right there because I think that's going to be a cool cool little thing to have. So I want everybody to turn to the uh, coinworld.com or get it from your magazine when you get that in the January issue. That's a neat little story there about a neat coin in my mind. So, you know, even if it is worth $1. forty-eight U.S., it's still a great coin to have to your oh, collection.
1: I'm going to yep. get, uh, I'll probably have to buy a roll. Uh, I bought a roll of the new Alexander Graham Bell dollars, and they're both, you know, there's some with color and some without, and the um, uh, Oscar Peterson dollar, the jazz pianist uh, color and, and some without, uh, just because um, these are these are so fun it's the you know the fact that there's colorful coins in circulation in Canada so that goes with my two dollar for World War two there's a couple different designs on them and and all some others I have a whole uh, album of, of colorful Canadian quarters uh, so yeah good good on you for teasing the story uh, from Canada a I call it the morning coin because it it mourns the death of Queen Elizabeth II with a black ring, um, you know that's that's not colorful but it is color so uh, it right.
0: counts. Yeah, and it's different. It's unique. It's something worth chasing around to have. Now let's talk about the letters from two thousand four. And the first letter, right off the bat here, kids have money. Okay, some do, some don't. I wanted to respond to the dealer who wrote, don't be stupid, kids don't have any money to spend. Does this person have any idea how much money is spent on children by their parents, grandparents, etc.? When you get one kid interested in coins, you get not one, but several adult customers as a result. I am certainly glad we did not go into this dealer's store when my 8-year-old son became interested in coins. After he started showing a real interest in collecting coins, we took him to a couple of local dealers. They have always been patient with my son and me because I know a lot less than he does and have taken the time to teach him, as he has studied his red book every day since the owner of one of these shops gave it to him months ago. On a recent visit to a coin store, the employee who was helping him said, "'Where'd you learn all this? You really know what to buy.'" If we'd have visited that dealer that was cited in the column, then he wouldn't have gotten that interest, certainly, but he did. I read those columns in my son's copy of Coin World as he reads it cover to cover, and when he's done with it, I get a chance to read it. He now has his father and grandfather interested. All he wants for Christmas is coins. And as for the most children out there these days, that would be a fair amount of money, so you just never know what it's going to be like. I am sure that money was the main issue for the unidentified dealer, but there was a coin show recently on my son's birthday, and all he wanted for his birthday was money and a ride to the show to spend that money. I have met some other parents who say the same thing, so you better be careful before you rule out young collectors as customers, and that's from Ann Long, address withheld. This letter resonated with me because the day I visited Alex Zeman's of Zeman's Coins in St. Augustine... There was a young collector who came in with his parents and uh, he was very knowledgeable and his parents were very much interested in supporting him. So, uh, you know, just kind of like that letter resonated with me on uh, what they were going through. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, Alex and many dealers are supporting of these young collectors as they make their way into the hobby. We all got to start somewhere.
1: Absolutely. And don't we all uh, remember how we started? And uh, the, I hope we honor the path that it, uh, we've taken, whatever case, you know, whatever twist and turns that path may have taken. Um, and uh, so it's, it's fun to hear Alex's story and the path she went and how that has led to uh, success after success. You'll hear that in a minute. But first, I'm giving you a break. You don't have to talk right yet first though before we get to the interview you owe me answer to a question and uh, last episode because we were uh, talking about David Shankman I asked about the the Whitman book uh, the top 100 American medals and tokens and uh, it's part of a series of books that have like a black binding and cover top 100 there's top 100 US coins uh, you know top 100 women on coins, all these, all these different narratives about these great coins and, and reasons to collect them. And they actually did a stamp one as well, I believe, US stamp. So, But anyway, I wanted to know what was the highest ranking uh, token, not metal, token in that list. And um, do you have any idea at all? Are you there, Larry?
0: Yes, I am. But I'm having my tail between my legs here because I had the book. I could have looked. I didn't. I have (laughs) to go. I mean, it's just, it's kept in another room. And I meant to get it after we recorded the last one, just have it handy because it's a cool book anyway. I mean, I like looking at it, but I just don't remember. So. I'm going to say okay. I'm not feeling well, so I didn't get it right. But okay. I just so, truthfully didn't get it right.
1: That's okay. Um, I believe, and I didn't get the book uh, from the other room, I believe it was ranked number fourth. Uh, it could have been six, but I'm fairly certain it's number fourth. We're talking about the Wanger scent, and, and I don't know if I'm butchering that or not, but it's, it's F-E-U-C-H-T Wanger. Uh, very uh, German name, and and this was minted privately in 1837 um, uh, from a an alloy called German silver, copper, nickel, zinc, and tin. It was uh, created by Dr. Louis Voigtbanger, a Bavarian-born chemist and New York pharmacist, that proposed that his composition replace the large hundred percent copper braided hair scent. These are very popular today. They have on you know a, a gorgeous eagle uh, looks like uh, grabbing clutching a snake. The year date on the obverse. The reverse has banger's name and composition below with a wreath and one cent. So um, this is one of those things that every good collector of American numismatics should have. Uh, now, unfortunately, I don't actually have that. <laughs> but you know my my interest skew more toward um, world stuff, and then you know some other forays, uh, baseball and, and whatnot. But it, it's a it's a neat little thing, neat little uh, numismatic artifact. So, bully, you didn't get that. No worries. Okay, you, now you you have reason to go grab the book and look uh, look at the entry for it. But I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. We're talking about Alex Zeman. We're talking with, and she happens to be a young dealer. So I got thinking, who's probably the most prominent young dealer of the past century in the hobby? Well, uh, one might think of Q. David Bowers. I wanted to know, when did Bowers get his start? So specifically the question relates to when did he issue his first fixed price list? Fixed price list number one, when did he hang his shingle out and announce that he was a dealer. You know, he had to add a Numismatic Scrapbook earlier that year. I'm going for the fixed price list as, you know, the moment, the time that, you know, really signified the beginning of a legendary Numismatic career. So you need to think about that. We don't talk about it with the interview with Alex, but uh, think about that and we'll have the answer next week. Here, though is that interview with alex zeman the coin world podcast is delighted today to be joined by alex zeman who is somebody who's been all over the hobby in very short period of time a world uh, a coin grader i should say at ngc worked for heritage auctions and now has a shop in florida bustling, seems to be going gangbusters. We're going to get your insights as how you started and learn all about the business side of things. Thank you so much for being here today.
2: My pleasure. Well, I I think you're an inspiring story.
0: I mean, I got uh, familiar with you first off when uh, Fun Topics, when the magazine did a story about how you got started as you were getting ready to open up your location there in St Augustine but for those who haven't had the luxury of learning about you tell us about your journey how did it get started how did you get interested in numismatics
2: um <laughs> it's it's um man when i recollect on it it just seems like such a surreal thing to like everything I started out as all the way up to here, but basically, um, it all started when I was eight years old. My father brought me to my first coin show. He had a, um, a little pamphlet in the mail and he just said, Hey, let's, let's go on to a show. Let's see how, let's see how it goes. Everything like that. Um, went there. It was the, um, The uh, Tampa coin show, actually. And all the dealers were incredibly nice to me. I can remember them just giving me so much stuff. I had so much just free stuff. Like everybody was just giving me stuff just to start out my collection, everything like that. Um, And ever since that first show, I've just been obsessed with coins. Um, could have been getting a lot of the free stuff, so, and just seeing all the different things that there were out there, um, and that's just a, it was just a drop in the bucket for what was actually to come. As soon as I got to more and more shows, see more and more things, I just became more and more obsessed, and yeah, it basically flourished from there, um, all throughout middle school, high school, Um, I've been collecting, going to shows. I started out um, doing flea markets with my dad, selling some of the duplicates that we had to accumulate some money for coins that we didn't have. So kind of my business entrepreneurial side um, started there when I was 12. When I was 12 years old, uh, we started doing flea markets, going all over... Um, trying to buy more coins, obviously sell, so. um, And then that's when we also started doing shows, actually um, setting up and being actual dealers. So...
1: So your we dad, John, uh, I, yes. I know, uh, but I've had a great uh, chance to work with him on some stories, and he's worked with our colleague Paul Jokes on some things. This was, you said, you were about eight, so that was almost twenty years ago. If I can disclose that a little bit, um, he, was he not a coin dealer at that yes. time when you made that? No, okay you you nope. dragged him into the the business <laughs> side of things. <laughs>
2: Yeah, basically, we were, we just both wanted something to do, Um, father and daughter, and getting into the business together seemed like the best, kind of like the best route to go, Um, at least in order to obtain more coins that we needed for our own collection. It's, at the time, we didn't think anything of it, you know, our first shirts, we just got some, you know diy like (laughs) iron-ons we made our own little business cards the little avery business cards um you know it was kind of kind of from the ground up we did everything our own everything from scratch every little thing um was just you know it was all just done by us and (laughs) i still I think my dad still actually has a couple of those like really original shirts that we used to wear. And they are not the best quality, but it brings Everybody's back so many gotta start times. somewhere. <laughs> and
1: that's uh that's cool that you have that very grassroots um, the feel to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we didn't yeah, we didn't have, like, really nice polo shirts to start out. Obviously, we do now, but, you know, to start out, we just had a couple of just white shirts with... <laughs> we just... We printed off on the little iron-ons just coins, and we just put them everywhere on the shirt, uh, trying to make it kind of look cool. <laughs> um, obviously, now we've upped our game on that, but it it's it's really nice to, like like, recollect on all of the old things that we used to do just to get started, you know, we didn't, we didn't, so uh, we didn't how get quickly
1: then it. it sounds like it was just in a matter of a couple years that you went from collecting to dealing, to support the hobby, <laughs> or support your, um, your addiction, if you will. And how, how quickly did it turn from, Hey, this is something I can do for a job because um, you know, this was, you know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, almost. Um, you've been in the industry for almost a decade now. It seems as a like as a full time professional. Can you walk walk us through that timeline?
2: Uh, yeah. Basically, um, yeah. Uh, ever since I became uh, a flea market dealer, which may not seem like a super huge. Um, accomplishment, of course, you know, again, I was going through middle and high school throughout all that time. Even early on, I was always telling myself, I'm like, Hey, I want to have a shop. I want to have a physical storefront. Um, but you know, I had school, I had everything like that. So I was kind of, I wasn't so much pushing it aside as I was like, kind of like, I just want to focus on the flea market. You know, maybe sometime when I'm out of school or something, I can focus on on the bigger picture. But as it turned out, um, well, even during high school, during the summers when I was uh, doing the flea market, I would go to uh, a a summer seminars and I actually took classes on, <laughs> I took night courses on how to run a coins shop. I obviously learned grading, authentication, a whole lot more. And after high school... Because of those A and A classes, I was thinking to myself, maybe should I just pursue a career in numismatics outside of dealing? And that's when I had the pleasure of meeting a good friend of mine, John Shook, and introduced me into the world of coin coin grading, and helped me get my position at NGC. And that's when I started my um, coin grading career. And that was John Shook,
1: the second, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yes. and and, and, and yes. I was very I had the pleasure time. of taking a grading class he did several years ago uh, before a show. Very nice guy, very knowledgeable, and um, you know grading is I, I admit I openly admit that that's my weaker area of, of knowledge. You know I'm more into the stories of the coins and and all that. So you you started out at 19 as a grader at NGC. Um, what's it like? in the grading room what's uh, what are some of the things that people would be surprised to know or or maybe seem totally you know mundane after a while but uh you know you you gotta i can't imagine the kind of rarities you get to see and all that sort of thing
2: oh yeah the grading room when i first arrived at ngc <laughs> i can remember <laughs> I was I was still the young the young pup. I was I was telling everybody I'm living the dream because even when I was still little, I still knew who NGC was. I still knew that they were the, you know, the industry leaders when it came to grading and so many other people viewed NGC graders almost like gods and I was just like, "Wow, wouldn't that be the dream to you know, be considered one of those type of one of those kinds of people. And so every single day I was in the grading room, I told everybody I'm living the dream. I'm, I, I loved, I loved what I did. Like I actually enjoyed everything that I did at NGC. I did a little bit of everything. <laughs> I learned the pretty much the entire grading pro entire grading process all the way from receiving all the way down to shipping. Um, I knew how to verify invoices, barcode them, um, obviously grade them, uh, bring everything to slab rooms, uh, do quality control. I did a little bit of quality control, did a lot of finalizing. I, I honestly don't know what I enjoy more is either the grading or the finalizing. Those were my two main things that I did. Um, with grading, I was mostly doing modern I was doing a lot of Silver Eagles, um, basically proof sets, stuff like that. Just really, really modern, anything brand new that came on out. I was essentially doing it along with a bunch of other graders. Um, But finalizing, you get to see everything that walked out the door. Everything from modern all the way to walkthrough items. So you would see, through finalizing, I would see you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in in just one invoice. It's it was it was definitely one of my more favorite jobs. So Um, some days it get a little bit more monotonous than others, but it was an all enjoyable experience. Let's fast
0: forward now to today. How did that experience help you with where you are right now as a retail dealer in Saint Augustine? How did that how much did that help you with where you are today?
2: Um, basically, how it helped me out. I mean, with all the things that I learned there <laughs> just about coins, um, people ask me certain questions. People ask me certain things. And of course, whenever people have questions about um, getting their coins authenticated, they want to know like, okay, like how do I know my coins are not going to go missing? How do I know my coins are not going to you know, this, that, and the other gonna happen. And I can just tell from experience saying like, okay, yeah, no, this is not gonna happen or NGC would not allow, you know, certain things, you know, obviously they don't allow coins to just walk out of their buildings, but I can see to new submitters how that would be a concern. And I can definitely put those concerns to rest by saying, hey, I work for this company, there's cameras in every crevice of of that building. Um, And then, of course, just just the knowledge that I gained from it. I Obviously, learning the difference between 70s and 69s of Silver Eagles, I get that question, weirdly enough, more frequently than a lot of people think. Um, Shout-outs to my mentor, Alex Molinos at NGC. He taught me – he took me under his wing and truly taught me so much that applies to me today – Um, A lot of the doubts that I have about upgrading certain coins whenever certain coins come across my shop. Um, He's really been there for me for everything. Still advises me even today on certain things, what I should do to advance my business. Um, But yeah, just the knowledge that I gained from NGC is just now the knowledge that I can carry on, that I can spread and give to my customers i can give them to my good my good clients everything like that and let them rest assured that since i do have that experience at ngc i know what are Yeah, so basically you, you can are. say,
0: been there, done that. So you pretty much know that. So now, you know, you talked earlier about how you wanted to have a storefront. You wanted to have your own store. And you made it a reality just a couple of years back right now. What were some of the biggest challenges you had to face to actually open up the doors in St. Augustine and get the show on the road? Um,
2: there were a lot of trials and tribulations when it came to opening the shop. It was it was a just a very rocky road, borderline, uns, funny enough, un, uncertain time in my life. Um, and I'm pretty sure an uncertain time in a lot of people's lives. Um, I was at Heritage at the time. I was only there for about six months. COVID hit, did not have a job. A lot of people... Obviously, when COVID first broke on out, when the lockdowns were first starting to happen, a lot of people lost their jobs. So I was part of the the, the 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 pool of people that just suddenly did not have work. And of course, when you don't have work, uncertainty and a whole lot of things start rising in your head. And I was like, what am I going to do? What can I do? I don't have a job. I got rent to pay. I got this and this. And... I made a call to my dad, of course, I was extremely emotional, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm just stuck right now, and then my dad just said, you know what, come on back to Florida, and he says, I know you've always talked about your dream of having a shop, he says, when you get on back here, we can work together, and see if we can get a shop going, and of course, got a U-Haul, and got my, got my butt out of Texas, um, and I still miss it. I miss heritage. I miss the experiences there. But it was a it was another chapter in my life. And when I came on back to Florida, COVID was still happening. You know, the pandemic uh, lockdowns were still pretty fierce in most of the country. Um, very fortunate that Florida was very lenient on it. <laughs> you know, lockdowns, I don't think, lasted more than like a month or so. So we were able to kind of, as soon as I came on back, unpacked everything, we were, start, we were starting to say like, okay, what cities in Florida can we go to? Which ones, you know, can we start looking for a shop? And of course, St. Augustine was one of the first places we enjoy vacationing up here, taking weekend trips. And it's just an overall very pleasant city, very beautiful, very historic, one of the oldest or the oldest city in, in the nation. And so did some Googling, found out that there was no real coin shop, you know, some pawn shops, you know, stuff like that, people dabbling. And it's like, okay, but there's no real like official coin shop, not anybody with really extensive knowledge on coins. And we're like, oh, so this seems like a good place. And our plan originally was for me to start off doing the flea markets up here in St. Augustine bringing myself back, back to the flea market w- roots and kind of work myself up to afford rent in a shop. Well, lo and behold, stars aligned. First first day we came on up here to scout for, you know, start scouting, seeing where a future shop could possibly be. Kind of like, okay, let's get a feel of the city and see what um, is out there. Um lo and behold the first hallway we went down had a little sign for lease had a phone number we were just like wait a minute this is perfect called the property manager up told us our rent we were like we can do that signed a lease i think a couple days even after that and then next thing you know we were just like well don't need to do the flea markets we got to that's cool
1: now. you know th- your dad posts stuff that he finds or buys at the flea markets and i go i gotta come down and spend a couple weeks in florida that looks great but uh, love hitting shops larry can speak to this he's had the pleasure of visiting your shop it seems like um you pack a lot of business into a, a little space. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on? Is Is it something you're going to be able to do sooner rather than later? Do you want to have a larger office, larger shop, or multiple locations? What's What are sort of your you know dream plan in that regard? Uh, my dream overall plan.
2: Oh my goodness! I have so many. I always, I always talk about like, oh, if I ever win the lottery, I'm gonna have a darn gallery down here and have coins. Um, but for a more realistic kind of <clears throat> kind of long term goal, or should I say, about like five or ten year plan, um, I definitely wanna someday move to a bigger shop. I think I'm definitely more than capable of of having a bigger location. Of course, down the little uh, strip that we're in, there's all sorts of little small shops, and some of them can be kind of, you know, they kind of go in and out. You know, some shops close down, new shops reopen. So I'm thinking, like, maybe one day, if one of those shops, those larger shops, uh, closes on down, I might um, try to get in on it. Because, of course, I would like more space. My shop is... Uh, what, probably about 160-ish square feet or 200 square feet, something like that. Feels a little bit smaller with a safe inside, <laughs> but it's, it is small, but I try to maximize everything that I can into it. I got, you know, silver, gold, um, you know, currencies, uh, uh slabbed coins out the wazoo, raw coins out the wazoo, <laughs> um shelving just everywhere if i I wish i could just put more shelves everywhere um so it's i definitely try to pack as much as i can into it um but yeah one day i would definitely love to have a little bit bigger of a shop um you know my own little workstation right now my workstation is kind of the front counter and i know that could be a little conflicting sometimes people want to see stuff in the showcase and i'm just like "Eh, i don't have a desk so this is where i work um but yeah that's that's definitely the dream to definitely keep moving up um to bigger better um spaces maybe a better location on the main strip in saint augustine and yeah that's that's definitely the more realistic yeah um, and you just make do with what you have
0: right now because you know three years ago you didn't even know what you were gonna have but here it is you're in a position where you probably have some locals and you have some tourist traffic and that type of thing. I imagine you see kind of an eclectic mix of customers when they come in. Some have knowledge, some are just uh, tire kickers, basically. Is that how it, how it works out?
2: Yeah, basically, I get every, every walk of life. I get, uh, obviously, I do get some uh, people that really do know what they're, what they're doing they know the the coin lingo <laughs> one of my biggest like downsides is that i'll sometimes i'll just start talking coin lingo to regular people and i and it's like wait what are you talking about i'm like oh, sorry i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> you know i'm just so i do get a good amount of regulars that are really good coin people you know they're coin collectors they know Um, what they're doing, they know what they're shopping for or what they're looking for if they got certain lists And and then of course I get a good amount of tourists Some of them, you know kind of know a little bit like they're like, oh, I briefly kind of dabble And then of course I got some people that just you know, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing I'm just here because it looks different (laughs) So I get I get a little bit of everybody um you know i try my best to help everybody out the best way that i can you know some things are a little bit easier than others obviously you know like answering questions something like that i um with with people that don't know coins sometimes it can be like a little bit of a challenge to try to answer some questions because it's like oh i got a half dollar what's it worth i'm like well I need a little bit more information than just that. And so it's it's good to kind of <clears throat> challenge myself in answering those kinds of questions. I think it's just that I'm slowly <laughs> becoming a mind reader now. Um, but not like no, really. I'm starting to really become that. And now I start to ask those kinds of questions like, who's on it? Is it a sitting lady? Is it Kennedy? like, who is it? Who are we talking about? <laughs> you know, so it's, I kind of have fun with it. You know, I don't try to, you know, I'm not a stuck up, you know, stiff when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, I always like cracking open the red book and saying, does it look like this or like that? Who knows? <laughs> you know, so but yeah, I like I like interacting with a lot of different people. Um, just kind of, you know, taking it one step at a time, (laughs) you know, uh, nothing, nothing against, you know, working for somebody else or nothing against, um, you know, being extremely professional, but I just like to, you know, I don't, I don't look at my shop as being a job. I love what I do. I love interacting with people. I love joking around, you know, I still take my business very seriously, but you know, why not have a couple of laughs along the way? I don't, I try to, obviously, in a tourist town like that, I get a lot of kids. And so, you know, can't be too serious around kids. You know, they want to have fun, you know, and, and coins are fun. They're very interactive. You get to learn so much. Um, I give a lot of coins to kids, you know, kind of teach them about certain things. You know, I try to I try to do a lot of stuff like that to where it's like, I'm not just speaking, you know, strict coin lingo. I try to put things in ways to where, you know, regular non-coin collectors can understand it so they can kind of... You know, We've been speaking with Alex
0: Zeman of Zeman's Coins in St. Augustine. And speaking of fun, that's the next time we're going to see you because you're going to be right there in Orlando with us <laughs> in early January. And We want to encourage all of our listeners who come to the fun show, the fun convention at the Orange County Convention Center to stop by your booth. Alex, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you being on the Coin World podcast.
2: Yeah, pleasure is all mine. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: And that was our interview with Alex Zeman, the dealer in Florida who's uh, you know had experience at NGC and Heritage and has done all sorts of uh, fun things in the hobby in her short time. We hope you found that as enjoyable as we did in uh, creating it.
0: Well, yeah, and definitely. She is definitely on the rise here, and there are a lot of folks in this hobby that are on the rise, and uh, it's good that they're out there doing it right now because it's not an easy task. You heard how difficult it was to get things started with a dealership, but the commitment and the uh, that you see a lot of times by the people who are out to get their collections filled, they're out to do whatever it takes, and keep generating the excitement that goes with this hobby. We thank you for listening to our podcast here once again. Hopefully next time I'll feel a little better.
1: So thank you so much for listening today. Until next time, happy collecting.
0: Thank you for listening to the CoinWorld Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at coinworldplus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.